This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. State of Recruiting's Open Mic. I'm Mike Roach of Horns 247, and this week's show features a sit-down interview with Josh Pate of 24-7 Sports. Josh is our new director of video, and he's churning out great college football content with his show, The Late Kick. Josh talks about his career, uh, the path to 24-7, some of the best players he ever got to see in high school, and his view of Texas from outside of the state. So please enjoy this, this conversation with Josh Pate of 24-7 Sports. All right, joining me this week on Open Mic is our new National Director of Video here at 24-7 Sports. He is host of Late Kick and right now is crushing some of the best college football content you can find out there. It is uh, Josh Pate. Josh, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you having me, man. I appreciate the compliments. I need to get you to introduce me instead of myself <laughs> introducing me. <laughs> well, like I said, I and I tweeted a couple weeks ago, is, you know, it, it's been hard, you know, as well as I do, like what this pandemic has, has really stopped all the built-in content that we get and all the built-in things that we build content off of. And yet, you know, you're, you're still out there nightly putting out great content uh, on your late kick show. It's something I've been tuning into just to kind of get in touch with college football. And so um, I would definitely recommend everybody to, to, to take a look at that. Um, I wanted to kind of start and see, you know, what is your, what is your road been, um, on, on getting to 24-7? What was your, you know, your past? When you came out of college, what did you want to do, and how did you get here? Well, when I came out of college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had a loose idea. Let me rephrase. I had a loose idea that I wanted to do something in sports media. That's what I was passionate about. Um, I did not have the wherewithal or at that time the mentality to go about achieving such lofty goals. And so I worked in a fabric warehouse for a little while down in Columbus, Georgia. And um, I would listen to local sports talk in the back of that fabric warehouse. No air conditioner. It's, it was everything that you would imagine, Mike, that a fabric warehouse would be <laughs> in the middle of the summer in the Deep South. And so um, there, was a, there was a new local show, and they pretty much revolved in and out. There was never anything that stuck more than two years. And a new show came into Columbus in radio. And uh, the host there had been a big-time FM DJ in Houston. He had it worked in Wisconsin in sports radio for a while. So I figured after several years of, you know, toting rolls of fabric off a truck, I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. So I called that guy up and I asked him, you know, can I just come sit in? And I sat in there for a while. And the one thing that I used to always do, anytime anyone ever asks me, how do you practice? How do you get ready for a career in television or podcasting or radio? Everyone always tells you, you got to have repetition. And that's true. But the thing about it is a lot of folks are under the misguided notion that the only way to get repetition is to be on air. And that's not true. And what I used to do, no one really told me to do this. It seemed kind of weird at the time, but I just did it is 
I'd ride around, you spend a whole lot of time in your vehicle. That's where you spend the most free time, whether you know it's free or not. And I turn the radio off. I'd listen to sports talk. Then I turn it off all of a sudden. And I would pick up the conversation wherever it had just left off. And I would just talk as if I were on air. And I'd do this. I did this for years. So I had thousands of hours worth of repetition to where when I got in that radio studio, it sounded like I had done radio before, even though I had never been in a radio studio before. So I ended up getting a position there and did some sports talk radio for a while and then got a phone call out of the blue. This is again why I tell people you are auditioning every day out of the blue. I got a phone call from the general manager of one of these TV stations there in Columbus, Georgia. Never heard of him before. In fact, he introduced himself and said, you've never heard of me before, but I've been listening to you on air and I really want to run an idea by you. We've been thinking about debuting a five night a week local college football television show here on the CW affiliate. It was an NBC affiliate, but the sister station was CW. Would you like to do it? I said, of course, I'd love to do it. And so it gave me a chance there to come in there. I was the sports anchor at that station as well, but I really my passion and I was there to, to build that college football show and built that thing, learned a lot of lessons, learned what not to do, learned how not to do it, but was able to cut my teeth and do it in someone else's studio, uh, not have to you know, pay for the overhead myself. I got distribution. I got a lot of things that came my way because I was on that radio show. And that radio show came my way because, well, I had somehow prepared myself. And I view all of those opportunities as coming my way as part of a bigger plan. But you know, that's kind of how I got myself in the door. From there, I transitioned to doing my content on YouTube. And that's where our boss, Shannon Terry, got in touch with me one day. I sent him to voicemail because I didn't recognize the number. And so <laughs> I got the voicemail. <laughs> Such a great intro. And um, he, he kind of said, man, we want to make, make some changes here. We want to really grow our video. And I'd be excited if you would explore coming on board. And that was in November. Got here in January. And Sure enough, as soon as I get here, a global pandemic hits. But we tried to make the best out of the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean that's it's it's tough to to come in um and and immediately with this. But obviously, you know, I tell my wife it's tough, but we can still do our jobs. We're still doing our mm -hmm. jobs every day, and there's a lot of people not that fortunate right now. Um, you also did you you've moved to Nashville, right? Yeah, I live in downtown Nashville right now, and you moved there right about the time the tornado hit, too, right? I had been here about a month. Yeah, my first, so my first month here included a tornado sideswiping my building. Um, I can look, actually, I can look over here outside of my window right now and I can see units that are still uh, what they call uninhabitable. It's very good for renter's insurance purposes to know, by the way. And so uh, tornado sideswipes the building. And I, when I was in Columbus now, one of my biggest hobbies was storm chasing. I worked in the local television industry, which just gave me a perfect excuse to take news cars out and chase tornadoes. So I've done that for over a decade. And Mike, this was the first time I was trying to think afterwards. This was the first time I could remember actually taking shelter from a tornado because I'm normally not in my house when anything like that is close to me. But it hit in the middle of the night, ended up being a, an EF4 tornado across the river once it got over there and strengthened a little bit. Um, had several fatalities, had a couple in the building right next door to me. So that was a very close call. I was out of here a week uh, while they sort of made this place able to be lived in again. And then less than a month later, this hit. So yeah, it's been a very, very surreal welcome to Nashville sort of month, month and a half stretch for me. Well, I one thing, you know, you've, you've obviously been able to endure some things. You know, I think that um, 
my first, you know, we always get like the, we'll get the email. Hey, we hired this new guy. You guys make sure to, to check him out and, and put his work out there and, and help him get started a little bit. And, and I always try to do that as a team guy. But I remember driving home. I had driven to Austin three hours from Dallas um, on signing day to go cover the, the commitment of Alfred Collins. And I'm driving home and I said, you know what? They did this uh, 24-7 signing day show today. Let me pop that on and just check it out and see how it went. And so I, I turned it on in my truck and, and listened to it on the way home and was tweeted about it, but was just incredibly surprised by how well you handled the chaos of signing day. What, what was your experience on that day uh, being able to work with two guys like Barton Simmons and Steve Wilfall? Yeah, I remember the tweet. I appreciate you doing that. And we had a lot of people reach out afterwards and said very complimentary things. That was less than a week after I'd gotten here. So I walk in and I, I'll tell you, in retrospect, there have been people who have confided in me that they thought it was going to be too much to handle. You know, you just kind of get thrown in the chair and you're going to host. And I had not really worked with Barton at all. I'd done a couple of minor video hits the week before. Uh, had, not, had not even met Steve Wilfong in person until that day or the day before. But I felt instant chemistry with both of those guys. They're professionals. To me, my job was easy because you had two of the best in the industry in the same room. And so I'm not big into basketball, but I know the role of a point guard that day was pretty easy when you had the talent around you that we had. But I'll also tell you this. It really, really helps to have the team not on camera. And there are a lot of folks here, especially at 24-7 Sports, period. I'm talking about the network, where you guys are, from North Carolina to Oregon, everywhere in between. But there are some guys that I work with here in the video department that are behind the scenes. Colin Bell's one of them. Aaron Grisham's one of them. Uh, these are not guys by their choice that you'll ever see on <laughs> camera. But they are guys that are professionals, and they know what they're doing. And when you have folks like that, along with Trey Scott, Luke Stampini was working in the background that day. When you have folks that are sort of greasing the skids behind the wheel, everything runs so much smoother. And when you combine that with the fact that I, like I told you, I'd worked in local news, I ended up being a news anchor in Columbus before I ended up coming up here. And to say that I worked at a somewhat underfunded station would be very generous in a way of describing said station. It prepared me. And so I was used to five alarm fires behind the scenes every morning. <laughs> and having to be in at 5 a.m. to deal with them on air. So that signing day show, it was a, in a lot of ways, it was a breeze. It was hectic, but it was a hectic breeze, and it was really fun. And afterwards, there were a lot of high fives, a lot of sighs of relief, and there were a lot of people like yourself who sort of affirmed what we thought, which was we just put together a really solid product. Now let's go look at it, and let's tear it to pieces, and let's talk about how we can make it better. Uh, you guys certainly did great. I remember just the group text between, you know, four or five of the other 24-7 writers that, that I deal with most in my region. We were all talking about, you know, how great it was. And, hey, this Josh guy might have something. So uh, it certainly seems so. And, and since that time, you guys have really expanded video. Um, you know, we've, we've done the social distancing series. Wilt Fong's Whip Around is my new favorite thing in the world. Uh, I watched it last night for the first time. Uh, so, I mean, you, getting, to, getting to expand our video is only going to be better for, you know, for, for our customers here. You've done a lot of college football stuff. How much recruiting have you been into since, you know, before you got here? Hardcore. I have never covered recruiting. I have always been into recruiting hardcore as a fan. In fact, you talk about that signing day show. I think that's probably what pleasantly surprised a lot of people. It's, as you know, it is such a nuanced based industry. 
and you can immediately pick out the folks who know recruiting, who speak the recruiting language, and the ones who don't. And normally, if you haven't covered recruiting, you don't speak that language. And I've never covered it, but yet I have observed it from an angle like I would have been had I covered it for 10 or 15 years now, at least, if not more. So I know the nuance of that particular part of our industry to the point where I felt very comfortable day one walking in, talking recruiting. It's never going to be what, for instance, Late Kick is all about. That's never going to be a recruiting show. But yet when we do Steve Wolfong stuff, Wolfong Whip Around, I think it's going to be a very big product for us, by the way. I think I don't think you can build enough around Steve Wolfong. Guys tied in coast to coast and everywhere in between. So we're really working on that. But it, I'm really at ease. A, being surrounded by guys who know the industry so well. And B, having exposed myself to the industry for so long. Never covered recruiting. But yet I have been in the world of recruiting forever, it seems. Um, what is, uh, what's one of the biggest, is there anything that was like, a, oh, I didn't know it was like this or a big shock moment for you since you got to 24-7? Um, I would say probably it's the same general impression that you get. I think anytime I've walked in, I, whether I've walked into a radio sh uh, station, I've walked into a TV station, you have seen some faces, or in, in this case, you have read some names and you, you put faces to names. But at every turn, what has taken me the most by surprise is meeting the folks behind the scenes that there's no way you ever could have known about before you got there. And I just mentioned a few of those names that I've met since I've gotten here. And it always lets you know, if you observe 24-7 sports from afar, it's the standard bearer in the industry by 10 miles. That was my opinion before I ever came to work here. It is certainly my opinion. It has been validated since I've been here. But there's a reason for it. And as much as it may have to do with, you know, the names that are put out in front of you every day, there are so many folks here behind the scenes that do such a great job. And it's always nice when you, Mike, if you've worked in an environment that lacked professionalism, to be in an environment with professionalism, you never take it for granted. And this is an environment uh, that I walk into, again, when we get back to normal, that you walk into every day and you don't have, you don't really have a problem being held to a high standard because everyone's held to the same standard, including the guy that sets the standard. And so to me, it, it really makes it a whole lot easier and a whole lot more fun knowing everyone is kind of, it's a freight train, everything moving the same direction. Um, I'm always interested to get this opinion, but what is your view of the Texas program from, you know, being a guy from Georgia, you're, you're deep into the SEC. And I mean, I know you cover college nationally, but, you know, what is the outsider's view of the Texas program, both, you know, historically and where it is right now? Uh, historically, Blue Blood program, zero doubt about that. Right now, the perception um, that I always had growing up in Georgia and I'm, I'm a guy that likes about 15 programs being good. I'm not an underdog guy. I'm very, very <laughs> out front and outspoken about that. So I always pulled for Texas, still pulled for Texas. Um, it always felt like there were too many folks pulling in too many different directions and maybe too many. See, with a bunch of, with a bunch of financial resource, there also come with that resource strings attached in a lot of cases. And so the perception is, man, you got so much money there and that's great, but yet, what, what kind of boxes are you having to check 
in order to fill those coffers like that? And who wants input here? And who wants a say there? And for a long time, being close to Alabama, for example, when, when Alabama was like that, they were a mess. And they found a guy, and there aren't many like this out there. Everyone can say, oh, we got to go find our Nick Saban. Well, it's easier said than done. <laughs> right. Alabama went and got Nick Saban. And I remember talking to someone close to Alabama. The first year he walked in, they ended up cutting ties with some big level donors. And the reason they did it is because those donors had kind of strings attached to every dollar they gave to the program. And so he said, now listen, these are the conditions with which I'm going to run this program. If you don't meet those conditions, I'm not the guy to run the program. And I had never felt for quite a while that Texas had the guy that had walked in the door with the gravitas to do that. Whether Tom Herman is that guy remains to be seen, but they have to have happen culturally what Alabama had happened culturally. Everyone at Alabama was so happy resting on tradition. And tradition is great if you know, you're, you're 52 years old, but 18-year-old kids don't really care about that. They care about where you can take them and what they can be a part of. And so it's very much, I've been in the wait and see mode with Texas for quite a while. I'm still in the wait and see mode uh, with them. I think long-term, it is very good that Oklahoma is doing what they're doing. I'm always a fan of the pressure being applied to you. Now, ideally from your big rival, cause nothing lights a fire under you like your rival succeeding at the level Oklahoma has. But I'm always a fan of that. And I think good things will come out of the pressure that's being put on Texas by Oklahoma. Um, I, I ask everybody this usually to start off the show, but I forgot to ask you, what are you doing to get through the quarantine? Is there any, uh, any interesting shows you're watching? Uh, this is purely selfish. I'm really just looking for recommendations for Netflix. If you've got any. Yeah, I, um, I just watched and I watched half of it when it came on originally, I just watched the people versus OJ Simpson. Most people have seen that though. I get out of here and I've got a secluded place that I'm still able to go to work out every day. I'm not supposed to be there. Therefore, I'm not going to tell you where it is until after <laughs> this is all over. But I've got a place that I can go. Uh, it's, it's a dialed down version of a gym, but it's a gym. There are, you know, the lucky part about living in Nashville is once you get outside of downtown, there's a lot of green space. And so there are a lot of open areas you can go, a lot of parks and whatnot. Aside from that, I've watched a whole lot of office reruns. I have watched a few movies. You know, Shawshank Redemption's on Netflix right now. And I don't care how many times I watch that. That's fine with me. Other than that, I don't know. I'll tell you what I have done. I don't know if you're a pro wrestling guy or not. I used to be a big pro wrestling guy. And so when I went into the 24-7 offices the other day, I'm one of two people that's cleared to go in there right now. So it's a ghost town. And I walked in, and a lot of times when these new sports books come out, we get sent an advanced copy of the sports books. Well, I don't ever get them because whoever gets in the office first normally gets the free copy. But there's no one in the office now. So Jim Ross, legendary Hall of Fame announcer, he sent us a copy of his book and it, I'm looking at it right now. I think it's 300 pages. It's right at 300 pages. And I kid you not, I read all that in one day. Never done that in my life. Never done anything remotely close to that in my life, but it's a good book. He's not paying me to plug it. It's an OU guy, actually. but <laughs> man, he had a, he put out a good book and I read that whole thing sitting right over here on my couch. I want to check that out. I was a big WWF. I still call it WWF. I can't get out of calling it that. Um, the real ones do. Yeah, I was a big WWF fan in the Attitude Era when I was in junior high and, and right. stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I might have to check that out for sure. Um, okay, so you said you haven't necessarily covered recruiting. Uh, I'm interested to get your take on this, um, if you have one. 
we we usually talk about hey who are some of the best high high school recruits you ever saw or some best kids you ever saw at the high school level i would assume working in news you, you did some high school coverage or some prep coverage sometime is there anybody that stands out to you during your time as hey, this kid was on another level when i saw him in high school yeah reuben foster when Reuben Foster was in high school, I think he was originally at Troop High School, which is between Columbus and Atlanta. He transferred to Auburn High School, which is in Auburn, Alabama, obviously. He was the most violent football player I've ever seen. People still to this day go back and watch his high school film, and it's, it's still out there. His high school film is next level violent. He, it's the only way I can describe it. He played the linebacker position so violently uh, when he got to – Alabama. Remember, he was a five-star out of high school. It took a couple of years, though, for him to get in the rotation. And even I remember speaking to some folks at Alabama, they were terrified he was going to paralyze himself. Uh, he led <laughs> in every way they tell you not to lead, which is with the crown of the helmet. Uh, I remember a big hit he had on Leonard Fournette in one of the Alabama LSU games to send the game to overtime. It was the last play before they went into overtime. And he comes in there and you watch the neck compress and you watch Leonard Fournette get knocked in the next week, and you just think, that's not a normal human being. There's no way a normal human being's neck could ever withstand that. But he was a guy that – and I was on the field for a few of his high school games. He was a guy that um, visibly affected the body language of opponents. And they played in big-time games. Central of Phoenix City, these names don't mean anything to 99% of the audience, but it's big-time high school football there in Alabama and Georgia – I don't have to tell you what big-time high school football is in Texas, but as big as it gets in those states, that's the classification Reuben Foster played in down there. And that kid would walk on the field, and he would impact people mentally long before he ever hit him physically. He's the best probably I ever saw in person. And I'll tell you another one who just recently graduated and went to LSU, Eric Gilbert, five-star tight end, kind of wide receiver tight end hybrid. Uh, it's recent, so maybe it's recency bias. He's one of the very best I've ever seen, too. If he's healthy, he had an off-season surgery. If that kid's healthy, I don't think they're going to miss Thaddeus Moss too long in Baton Rouge. No, he was, uh, he was incredible this year at the All-American Bowl uh, when we got to see him down there. Um, and he got hurt midway through the week. I think he, he dislocated his shoulder or something. But uh, he, was, he, he's just, he was one of those guys that he walked in the room at check-in, and we were all like, oh, this is a – you know, I, a guy like me who's five foot ten and kind of chubby looks at him and goes, "Are we even the same like species?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> so uh, he would play. He played at Marietta down here. Well, I say down here. I still picture myself living in Georgia, but um, it's 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 either six or seven seven a ball I think down there. But he, um, I was on the field for one of his games. So he wait. You've stood next to him. So he's mm -hmm. big man. He's two forty, two forty five, and he would. They would use him in a way that you would use like a, a six-foot, 170-pound slot receiver. They'd use him on a lot of jets and motions, and you would watch him at 6'5", at 6'6", six, 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 245, and he'd routinely get the edge and beat these, these corners that he was giving up 50, 60 pounds to to the edge, and he runs. The, the running style I compare it to is Eric Dickerson. Back when he was at SMU and in the league, everyone talked about his running style because his head never moved a millimeter. And that's how Eric Gilbert looked. He would run and it made guys a blur, but yet his head is so still. And he'd catch the corner on those guys. And those bigger guys, they don't look like they're running fast. Derrick Henry is a good example of this. Mm -hmm. They don't look like they're running fast because their stride length <clears throat> is so wide. Eric Gilbert looks like he's running fast and has yeah. big stride length. So, he's, man, he's, he's got unlimited potential.
Vich Young was one of those that he'd never looked like he was running fast, but he'd cover five yards in a step because yep. he was so long. Uh, before we get out of here, Josh, I want to allow you to to plug some of what you're doing. Uh, I know that you do the late kick. It's it's a daily, right? I, I feel like I see it daily. Well, you see, uh, that's good. That means our video <laughs> department's doing their job. So right now what we're doing is we're sticking to the schedule that we would normally have in the off season, which is a Sunday night and a Thursday night live show on the YouTube channel, the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. If you guys haven't subscribed there, I would highly advise you to because we are growing a lot of new verticals, as they call them in the mm-hmm. industry, which is a fancy word for new shows. So we do that, and um, it, it, we also have the podcast, the Late Kick podcast. And Mike, what I think I'm going to do, because I get so much overflow in our inbox from viewers that I can't fit into shows. I ask them for Q&A and they send Q&A. I think I'm probably going to add some bonus podcast content during the weeks, which is just interaction with fans, which oftentimes ends up giving me some of my best content. Just taking those questions at the end and you look at something that you think is going to take 35 seconds to answer and you go six minutes on, you know, why Lane Kiffin may be better over the state of Mississippi than Mike Leach will recruiting, blah, blah, blah. So uh, the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, Late Kick Podcast, you can find it wherever you download podcasts. Those are the two main areas that you can find our content right now. And we're excited to be working on some new stuff as well. You got the, the we talked about the Wilt Fong whip around. Um, is there anything you can talk about maybe that's in the future that's not out yet that that's exciting to you? It excites me that I've always thought the strength of 24-7 sports was the network of insiders and recruiting experts, team insiders and recruiting insiders. When I had no affiliation with this company whatsoever, when I was down in Columbus doing the TV show, those were the people I would get on. I would not target the talking heads as they're referred to nationally. They They didn't offer value to my audience. What offered value to my audience is you know, can I get Rusty Manziel on from Dogs 24-7 and talk about 10 or 15 high school names over the span of five minutes that all of my audience recognizes. So for a long time, those guys have been stars in the very niche-based recruiting industry. But yet, if you can build them and brand them the right way, we believe that there is a mass audience out there. Everybody craves access and information. That's really what college fans want. They want to see behind the scenes. And they want to know what's happening before their buddies know what's happening. And we've got a multitude of insiders across this big network of ours that we are, it is our job. If we don't do it, we have failed. It's our job to use these vehicles of video and pod to build and brand them and to build a bridge between them and the audience. And I think that we're well on our way to doing that. I think you'll have a lot of products on that YouTube channel that exist maybe six months from now or a year from now that don't exist right now. And I would say heavily, I would lean towards the newest products and the most effective products involving featuring our team site guys in a better way. Awesome. So that means, uh, for our listeners out there, you might hear me or Jeff or, or Chip, you know, in the near future on one of those. Uh, Josh, thanks so much, man. Uh, what is your uh, shout out your Twitter account so anyone can listening can follow you? Yeah, Twitter account is at Late Kick Josh, and I'm pretty active on there all day. All right, uh, Josh, thanks thanks so much for joining us, man, and I uh, hope everybody stops and checks out your content because you're uh, you're doing a great job with it. I appreciate it, Mike.
Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.